Hello, welcome to episode number 50 of Gunfighter Cast. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw, with your co-host, John McGregor. Hey, John. Hey, Daniel. How's it going? That's going good. Today is January 28th, 2012, and it's actually January 28th in both locations this time. That is correct. For a little bit longer in your location, right? Yeah, I got uh, about 45 minutes left of uh, January 28th. Oh, I got several, several hours. That's good. That sees the day. So uh, we were uh, basically knocked out some administrative stuff before we started recording here and got some stuff straightened out, planned some website stuff that John didn't even know existed. We're going to put out something real short for you. Hope you enjoy it. We're going to talk a little bit about safety. And I know recently we've talked about safety, carrying, loading and unloading around your family at home, dry fire practice, and uh, that kind of safety in that uh, realm. But we're going to focus a little bit more and drill down uh, a little bit into just particularly range safety. Since I got to do the intro, I'll let John start off our topic. Well, thank you so much, sir. Um, yeah, basically, um, well, unless Daniel's going to uh, do this a little different than I am, I don't know that this is going to be an all-compassing on everything that you need uh, for range safety. Uh, I mean, any discussion of range safety, you're going to want to consider your muzzle management and your trigger finger discipline. But uh, I just thought I'd throw out some some things that uh, you know, I teach. Um, most of my classes, I actually teach civilians, uh, people getting involved in shooting for, you know, a short time ago. You know, so they might not have been shooting for a long time. And uh, just see some things over and over again that I think might be worth uh Mentioning, you know, so you can kind of, if you're a new shooter, you know, to be honest with you, even some experienced shooters I see do some of these things. So I figured just throw them out there and uh, you can, uh, whatever we talk about, if kind of next time you go to the range, see if uh, you do any of these things and hopefully uh, correct that behavior. Oh. First one on my list. Oh, go ahead. Here no, sorry. I was just agreeing with you and then I agreed with you at the wrong time, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I agree with you too. <laughs> a damn, uh, damn time zone thing. It's one of the first uh, things that I see on a regular basis. Uh, it's, you know, we're thinking muzzle management, uh, keeping our firearm pointed downrange in a safe direction. But then when it's time to lock the slide back, and, you know, what I see is, you know, people are looking downrange, have got their muzzles pointed downrange. But when it's time to lock the slide back, they end up bringing the pistol kind of in right off the abdomen, kind of close to the center of their body. And as they do so, of course, the muzzle goes to the either the right or the left, depending on if they're right-handed or left-handed, and they lock the holster back that way. Obviously, that's not necessarily a good safe direction, especially if you're on a, a range of people to the left and right of you. So, uh, I mean, a couple ways I've practiced enough that I don't really have to look at the pistol to lock the slide to the rear. I can just kind of fill my slide catch lever. I just keep it pointed down range and uh, just by feel kind of make sure I can pop the, the slide catch lever up as I pull the slide to the rear. But, you know, what I see a number of new shooters that aren't familiar. I mean, they might be shooting new pistols or, you know, they're just not familiar with the controls. So for those people, you know, what I suggest is rather than bringing the weapon across your body to look at it and therefore pointing it in a unsafe direction, just kind of you kind of move your body as you bring the pistol in. So the pistol stays pointed down range. You just rotate your body a little bit so you can kind of get into that same position where you can look down and see your slap catch lever, see your resting notch if you need to see all that stuff, and uh, work through how to 
load your, um, sorry, how to lock your slide back to the rear hey, without, to, uh, to make sure we're, we're describing this right. Uh, what I'm gathering here is you're basically talking about, you know, we just finished, you know, shooting a target, doing a drill, whatever. It's time to lock the slide back. Basically, as you pull it in, just instead of being squared up to your target, blade your body. So kind of the, yeah. the, the pistol grip is the actual, the magazine portion would be somewhere around your abdomen area, but still mm-hmm. pointing down range. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and this that's is better for people point. who are, are not as strong. Like me, if I'm shooting, I'm gonna lock my slide back. I'm just gonna reach up, and push my thumb up a little bit, and pull my slide back. You know, while it's still pointing straight down range. Uh, a less experienced shooter or uh, someone who has to get that weapon inside of their their zone of dexterity and use that strength, uh, everything they have to lock that slide back. You know, maybe some female shooters. Uh, my wife can't lock a slide back as easy as I can, so that's what I teach her. Basically, turn sideways, bring that uh, magazine. Where it, the mag at the bottom of the magazine well kind of into your chest and reach over to the over the weapon and uh, grab the serrations on that slide and yeah like you said you can see the controls you can see everything from right there and you know it's pointing in the safe direction just one thing to keep in mind make sure you're running that hand over the weapon and not in front not covering that muzzle as you put your hand across yeah that's a good point I probably should have specified before that uh, you know when I typically see this is like you said at the end of a drill where it's time to uh, unload the pistol. So typically they'll have already ejected the magazine and tucked that away somewhere. It's just uh, that one round that's left chamber, and we're uh, you know attempting to clear the pistol. So um, and yeah, that's a good point about uh, you know if you don't have enough uh, upper body strength by bringing it in there, it allows you kind of get the the chest muscles involved. Whereas if you just kind of have your arms extended, pointed downrange, it's it's all. Uh, you know, basically your hand strength and arm strength. So, uh, again, muzzle management during, uh, while locking slide, uh, locking the slide back to the rear. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's one of the things I see. Do you have, um, one that you would like to share? If you're not doing a drill out of the holster and you're just kind of, uh, just drawing from the holster to, to load and, you know, rack around in the chamber, I see a lot of people doing the same thing to do when they're reholstering. And that's when they're unholstering. They pull this weapon up, and it's not straight down toward the ground. Uh, they, they curve it in to their body. And as their finger goes along the trigger, hopefully it's going to stay outside the trigger guard or above the trigger guard. But uh, I see a lot of, of unholstering and reholstering, pointing the weapon down into their, their side a little bit as they're trying to find that holster. Uh, if anything, when you're going to reholster that thing, point it away from your body. Or if you don't have a holster, you can go straight down. Just keep in mind when you're reholstering, Go ahead and look. If you're reholstering and you don't have to get a primary weapon back into action and don't have a bad guy right there that you have to go arrest because you're a law enforcement officer, you know, it's okay to look down at your holster to make sure you're going in that holster properly. If you're putting it away, that means you don't have anybody else to shoot. Practice safely. After you do it enough by looking at it, you know, you'll be able to do it without looking at it. So uh, just keep that in mind while reholstering. And another little tip when reholstering, if you have an external hammer, go ahead and swing that thumb over on top of that hammer. If there is something in your holster or there's some kind of a mechanism, some kind of problem or, or any piece of clothing that actually starts to depress that trigger, you'll feel that hammer coming back as you put, reholster that weapon. And what I teach people is to reluctantly holster the weapon. I'm not in a hurry to throw it back in my holster because my Kydex holster makes a cool sound. If I had to just shoot someone or I had to do a drill, I'm searching, assessing the area. Okay, there are no threats. Now I'm going to reluctantly reholster my weapon, thumb on my external hammer if I have one, and I'm going to let that weapon go back into my holster. Yeah, it's a lot of good information there. I, I kind of, 
you know, I think I echo just about all that, especially, um, you know, a newer shooter, you know, becoming familiar with equipment. I know long term, the goal is to not have to look at your holster you know, when you holster your weapon. But uh, it definitely at the beginning, it, I think it's uh, I think you really should just to make sure, you know, you're watching the muzzle. And, you know, sometimes you may not detect the fact that you're kind of canting the weapon towards your body as you're working it to the holster kind of instead of coming straight up above it and then pushing the pistol straight down, you're kind of coming from the side of it, trying to get it in that way. Exactly. So I think it's, I think it's valuable to, uh, you know, kind of watch what you're doing and kind of think about how it feels so that, you know, when you see how the weapon, you know, when you've got the weapon pointed straight up and down going into the holster and make mental note of, you know, this is, you know, this is what happens when I have my elbow straight back the way it should be as opposed to, you know, sometimes when you're doing the chicken wing thing, you've got the elbow out to the side, and that sometimes is where I see people kind of coming in at an angle and, and lays themselves a little bit. Yep. And so far, basically what you're saying there is let your eyes verify that you're pointing it straight down to the holster, and then you're letting your arm say, all right, arm, remember, this is what it feels like to not point it at myself whenever I'm reholstering. So basically, I'm a big fan of muscle memory. You know, some people don't like that term. I, I think it's very... Very true, myself. Yeah, and there's that saying also, it's not practice makes perfect, it's perfect practice makes perfect. So you yep. got to verify that you're doing it right before you, you just basically repeat the same thing over and over. Uh, one other thing that I had thought about, um, you know, I can't agree more with what you're saying about thumb on the back of the hammer. Uh, another reason besides what you said is, uh, you know, if you're running a, a double action, single action type of system, is it gives you another chance to, you know, if you forget to decock before working back to the holster, you go to put your thumb on the back of the hammer, it'll, it'll feel different, gives you a chance to put the hammer where it should be, uh, you know, forward before you go back to the holster, before you start you know, trying to reholster your weapon. That's a good point for you crazy Beretta shooters out there. That's just, yeah, we, that was that was a shot at everybody at Mac 40 who said, wow, that's pretty good shooting for a Beretta. I, I still don't understand it. No, we talked about unloading. We see sometimes loading, and if you're not uh, that that first load out to the range, you know you're not doing a, a tactical reload, you're not doing a, a speed reload or anything like that. You're just doing basically administrative load, making the pistol ready, whatever you want to call it, chambering around. I see a lot of people that that first time they they pull that thing out uh, out of the holster, and they are flagging that person to the left or to the right, or they might have their arm extended. Someone who hasn't shot, been uh, done a lot of training, might have their arm almost all the way extended away from their body. I say go ahead and bring that thing in, but keep it pointed down range, uh, and where you can see the controls of the pistol, and you've got it, you know, kind of right in front of your face, and then go ahead and load. Uh, I see, what I've seen is a lot of people in that they have their arm extended out there, especially sometimes when they're just doing administrative loads. Like I said, will start turning the weapon to the left and right as they're trying to fumble with that magazine, trying to get it in, uh, and end up muzzling someone to their left usually and a left-handed shooter would muzzle someone to their right when they do that so even loading as well you know just practice loading uh the same way that you actually conduct reloads you know which would still your weapon should still be pointed in a safe direction straight down range or uh some variant of that where it's still pointed your weapon your round will go into the impact area of the range but uh it may not be pointed right at the target i guess you could say yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it, it, you know, we already spoke a little bit about muscle memory, but, you know, when we're doing, when I'm doing emergency reload, you know, I've got the pistol and I'm, I personally, I don't, when I'm doing 
emergency reloads, some people like to point the muzzle up, and I keep it pointed straight ahead. I can still get to my mag wheel, but I do bring it in close and right under the line of sight. So if you were going to uh, insert a magazine administratively, you know, you're helping develop muscle memory by having the weapon in the same location whenever you're uh, inserting a magazine. Uh, I actually teach you know two different ways to administratively load up to start with. And, uh, you know, the way, I think the way that you're mentioning, you know, you've got the pistol in one hand, the magazine in the other, uh, and you insert the magazine and you know, rack around, uh, decock and holster. I used to teach that way, but it's understanding in competition, there are some competitions where they make you do it that way. Uh, actually, I teach, you know, especially with new shooters, I try and make it even more simple. Is, uh, if you can imagine you've got an unloaded pistol in your holster, uh, what I do is with the pistol still in the holster, I have them take their magazine and insert it there, you know, tap it and tug it and make sure it's fully seated. Then they draw the pistol, point it down range. And the benefit to this is they've only ever got one thing in their hand at a time. So if you're, you know, a new shooter, you don't have to, um, you know, concentrate on your magazine and you forget where your pistol's pointing. There's only ever one thing in your hand at a time. So, once they've got that magazine in while still in the holster, then all they have to do is draw from the holster, point it down range, slingshot the slide, decock and holster. And then from there, if they want to, they can reach down, eject the magazine, replace that one round that's now out of the magazine and in the chamber. And then one last uh, tap and tug in there. They're all administratively loaded. They're all ready to go, but they've only ever had to kind of maintain control over one object at a time. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good point and idea for, uh, you know, newer or inexperienced shooters. Especially, you talked about only having one thing in their, in their hand at a time. Say you're about to do a drill, uh, and you've had them beforehand fill their magazines, one magazine of six rounds, one magazine of ten rounds, and then one to max capacity. They have their pistol out of the holster. They're already fumbling with that magazine. They pull it out, and they see, oh, I got the wrong magazine. And now suddenly they're going to turn their body, look down at their magazine pouch, not paying any attention to where their pistol's pointing, and then try to fish out that magazine that has the appropriate rounds for that drill in it. So I think your your idea there and what you do is uh, very valid for uh, you know inexperienced shooters. So uh, let's see. One of uh, I guess one of mine now. Going back to me, something that uh, that I see, and again, this is um, I see it mainly in the the newer shooters, people that are, are getting just getting into it. Especially in those classes, uh, like you know, for us, um, you know, when I'm teaching up at SIG, the first class where we start working out of holsters is called basic practical handgun skills, and that is, you know, at the beginning of the day, they're issued a holster. So part of the class is teaching how to, you know, draw and reholster and get used to carrying a weapon with you. Sometimes what I see at this level is, uh, you know, people are, you know, somewhat, uh, somewhat excited about you know, doing things and, you know, they're enjoying it and so forth. And a lot of these people, they don't have their own pistols. Uh, they borrow ours. So it's not uh, it's not their pistol and stuff. But uh, I don't know what it is, but, you know, I always in the safety brief and tell them if an instructor doesn't tell you to remove the pistol from the holster, leave it in the holster. And, you know, the reason for that is all, you know, all our semi-automatics and, you know, regardless if there's an external safety or not, there are internal safeties that are based off the trigger me- mechanism. So if you can keep your pistol in the holster, 
it's real hard to make it go off accidentally. In fact, you know, impossible there. Well, it's a mechanical device. I guess it, things could fail, but let's just say you come out of the holster, you greatly increase the chances that you can have an unintentional discharge. But what I see is, and I think it's just they just have a, a temporary temporary mind blank or whatever. They they forget about those safety rules, and they just want to look at the pistol to you know, just to see what it looked like, admire its fine craftsmanship or whatever it is. And, you know, we'll be running drills at maybe the seven-yard line, and somebody will be back at the reloading tables at the back, you know, 25-yard line, and they'll be out of the holster looking at the pistol. Obviously, that creates a, a lot of problems when people are coming out of holsters and you've got people downrange and, you know, you've greatly increased the chance that uh, you know, somebody's going to have an unintentional discharge. Plus, it's real hard to maintain a safe muzzle direction anyway when, you, when you're when you uprange of other people and you end up coming out of the holster. So that's um, one of those things that, uh, you know, I would stress to a, a new shooter is just make sure that, you know, before you come out of the holster for any reason, regard if even if you're not in a class or something, if you're just going to a commercial range, you know, you should be up on the line or in your booth or wherever you have to be before you come out of the holster. You shouldn't be anywhere else, basically, in that range coming out of the holster. Just, um, you know, maybe if you want to look at the pistol, maybe think about before you do, you know, is now the appropriate time to be uh, taking a peek at it. Uh, the same thing applies to if someone else. You know, do you, you go to the range enough and you get a cool gun. Somebody's going to be wanting that same gun. Like, hey, can I take a look at that? Or, and, and if you're like the rest of us in the gun culture community, uh, like, yeah, man, here, here's a magazine. You know, shoot it. Check it out. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had people do it to me a thousand times, and I've let people shoot my guns a thousand times. I don't even know. If someone does, t- you know, talk to you about your whatever you're carrying, uh, whether it's a rifle or pistol or whatever, um, and you're back in a scenario, back at the table somewhere, People are all on the line. Like, hey, yeah, let's walk up here. I'll show it to you. And, uh, you know, just move up to the, to the firing line or to a safe area where you can do that. Or you have a nice backstop there next to the range. It's acceptable for the range that the range, uh, says you, it's, it's good for that. You also, uh, if you are going to hand that weapon to someone else, then, uh, I see personally, depending on who I'm with, who I'm shooting with and what level, uh, I feel that those people are at, uh, I am perfectly fine with receiving a condition one weapon, uh, a weapon with, Around in the chamber, magazine inserted, everything ready to fire. Uh, I will make sure it's on safe before I take it, and I'll make sure I can grab it. And he has it in a way that where nobody's going to pull the trigger. I, but that's just some situations. Uh, someone I don't know, I'm not going to hand them a loaded gun and say, "Here, it's condition one. You know, it's ready to fire. Be careful with it." I don't know how their their weapons handling skills are. I don't know how their safety is. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to draw from my holster. I'm going to use one of the techniques that we talked about a little bit ago about uh, rock, unloading the pistol or racking the slide back and locking it. And uh, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach around under the pistol, covering the trigger guard, holding onto the slide, and I'm going to hand him uh, the pistol. If it has an external safety, it's going to be the first thing that he's it's going to be closest to him so he can verify, all right, it's safe, it's on safe or decocked, whatever. And he's also going to have a completely empty pistol grip where he can grab it with his hand right away. And I can just pull my hand down out of the way, and neither one of us get muzzled. Uh, that's my preferred way of handing a pistol to somebody in a situation like that, or a training setting. That way, there's no fumbling at all. It's easy for them to grab, and you have complete control until you see that they have a you know a firm grasp on it. Not really the same subject, but it was kind of leading that way, so I steered it. Yeah, doing it, uh, you know, like you were saying, if you're 
up on the line with somebody you shoot with and so forth, then, you know, that's a certain situation. But, yeah, if you're behind the – or somebody you don't know, you know, it's, that's a real good method. Make sure that the, the pistol is clear and empty and, you know, the way you described it, you can actually – you know, what we recommend you do, or, you know, when I'm teaching classes, I want, you know, if we're going to confirm that a, a pistol's clear and empty, we're going to check it visually, and then we're going to check it physically, putting digits in magazine wells and chambers and so forth. And, you know, the way you described, you're presenting it so that that person can actually start doing their visual checks before they even touch yeah, the pistol. Yeah, it was in my mind, but it didn't come out of my mouth. Uh, of course, right past the safety, you can look right into the chamber and see that as well. Mm-hmm. And we do the same thing, you know, whenever someone's showing clear on the line uh, in the day or we need to have clear pistols for dry fire or something, the finger goes in the magazine well and, you know, you're either, you're visually looking into that chamber and you can slide a pinky or whatever and touch that chamber and make sure uh, that it's completely clear. Do the same thing with, uh, you know, a lot of the other weapon systems. You can do the same thing with a, an AR platform. Uh, it's pretty easy to visually tell that um, there's not a magazine in there. Because uh, mm-hmm. magazines don't fit flush with the bottom of the weapon, but still the same thing. You go by and look at that that AR. You look into that chamber. You know you could see that there's not a piece of brass in there. And most cases, you can get a pinky finger in there to check. Yeah, one of the th- reasons you know when I'm explaining to uh, you know to s- newer students and so forth, you know the procedure for visual and physical check. You know, I I explain the advantage of you know right now you know you're in a a perfectly lit uh, classroom or a range and stuff where you can see everything. But by doing it the same way every time, visually and physically checking it, you know, it goes back to muscle memory. You're teaching the body, what if it's a low-light situation or what or whatever? The lights go out, you need to clear a weapon. You've already trained your body how you do that by just muscle memory, by doing a visual and physical check of your weapon system every time you know where you're checking without having to see it. Plus, it gives you that redundant level of safety, too, you know, look and feel. Absolutely, nothing wrong with that. And I, that, We do the same thing in the Marine Corps. Don't, you know, this isn't just something, you know, silly that civilians do to be super safe. You know, uh, M240 Bravo, for example, we were running through some machine gun information with some guys last week, teaching them uh, some uh, medium and heavy guns, and that's the way you do it. Uh, one, we have, we gun get barrel gets real hot. I know nobody out there is probably shooting machine guns. Well, I'm sure some of you are. But uh, probably most of the listeners are not, unfortunately. I'm sure you'd like to, though. It is fun. Um, but you'd have that very hot uh, barrel there, and that you could easily get um, your bolts forward, and you had a round you know, hang fire or something, you could easily cook off. So you open that feed tray cover, your head's down, so your head's protected by your helmet. Uh, we do everything sleep feed tray. You go through a, what we call a five-point safety check. You're doing everything physically without even looking first. You're filling everything, racking that bolt to the rear, holding it there, checking the bolt face, the extractor, you know, all everything, you're checking everything in the feed pause, uh, and then you're going to do it visually and repeat the same process as you do it visually and physically. Uh, finger goes in the chamber, all that stuff. It's uh, You're not going to miss anything. You won't forget anything. If you get a system down to what you do whenever you clear out your weapon, and that's basically what we try to do there uh, with machine guns, the reason I bring that up is uh, you, when you first teach it, people just start sticking their fingers in there and jiggling around, and then you got to stop and say, low, look, you are deliberately sweeping feed tray, lifting feed tray, sweeping bolt face, you know, and just going through the, the whole system of exactly what you're doing and deliberate motions and doing it. So after, you know, just a little bit of doing it, now they're doing it exactly perfect the same way every single time and never forgetting a step. 
you know, one uh, kind of another caveat to, uh, you know, fortunately the weapon systems I run aren't nearly that complicated, so we're just checking chambers and magazine wells. And this is where you'll probably make fun of me again for uh, OCD, but uh, one of the things I try and get new newer people to do is, you know, you do your visual and physical checks, but then you look away and then you come back. The reason for that is uh, what I've seen and, and what other people have seen, I'm sure, is as you become more familiar with firearms and so forth, you can be up on the line and visually and physically checking your, your weapon system, but you're also having a conversation with the person beside you and you know maybe you're thinking about something you gotta pick up on the way home and stuff. You know, we're you know, we're we like to multitask, but that's kinda one area where you don't want to be doing other things because you know, we've all you know, we've all been there where if you've driven a car when you first start driving, you know, you're white knuckled, you know, you're really concentrating, but you know, now you've had your license for a little bit, you know, you've been driving for 15 minutes and you know, you've gone through traffic lights and stop signs and so forth, but you don't really remember the drive because you just listen to the radio or, you know, wherever your mind is. So I like to teach that, uh, you, you do a visual physical check, but then you look away and the purpose of that is just to kind of make sure that you're, you're kind of doing a head check, making sure that you're not thinking about those other things. Come back one more time with only that goal of inspecting the chamber, make sure there's nothing in it, inspecting the magazine well, make sure there's nothing in it. Is this before or after you use your calibers to, to check your uh, your spacings on all your rounds and between and the crimpings and everything? Like the uh, that, would ju- that would be ridiculous. You get out <laughs> your scales first to check how much powder is in the cartridge. Oh, okay. First. Sorry, I had that wrong. I, I think this is going to be a reoccurring act here on Gunfighter Cast is John's OCD. Yeah. No, you know, whatever you're doing for safety, if you're looking away and looking back, if you have a system of looking away, counting to three or something, and then looking back, anything you're doing that's, that's causing redundancy in safety, you're being safer. You're safening up, I guess you could say. about that? It's um, mm-hmm. not going to be a bad thing. It's just not. It's not a tactical situation. It's a range safety situation. Uh, a lot of the stuff can be applied to a tactical situation as well, which is why you should be at the range to uh, you know be more proficient if that tactical or dynamic situation should arise. Whatever you're doing to be more safe, keep doing it. That's a good point. I, I, this is kind of an administrative unloading procedure, not a tactical situation. I'm right. surely not recommending that in the middle of a double feed I'm going to be visually and physically checking and looking away and counting to 10 and, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, I but think anybody thought you meant that. Yeah. But, you know, it's a good point. You brought it up. You know, if you've got the time and it's an administrative procedure, you know, take the time. Make sure you do it right. Uh, one other thing I had on my list, um, and, I, you know, it's kind of fresh in my mind. I had uh, somebody that was doing this on the range with me a couple weeks ago. And again, it's a newer shooter. I can see why this would happen. First of all, uh, a SIG, SIG pistol, the way SIGs are set up is that uh, the controls, you know, I'm talking classic line pistols like your P226s, for example. Um, the controls are on the left side of the pistol. So this is a, uh, a newer shooter, and uh, he had either run out of ammo and he was uh, running, he had his thumb on the slide catch lever inadvertently because of his grip or whatnot, but he pulled the trigger and the pistol didn't go bang. Of course, you know, we've got some immediate action drills, but 
what I would suggest to a newer shooter is, you know, especially if you're not familiar with the weapon system, turn the pistol to look at it. It's okay to look at the back of the pistol to see maybe the slide's out of battery or something. But what this guy was doing is he was basically turning the pistol so he could look at the controls on the left side of the pistol to try and determine what his next course of action would be. That's halfway to that guy at the gas station who got the Darwin Award for, like, shooting the revolver or something, and it didn't fire. And then he turned the pistol and looked right into the barrel and then pulled the trigger again. You ever hearing about that? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was true or not, but he won some <laughs> Darwin Award. <laughs> Shot himself in the face. Or his that's halfway to that. Darwin Award, right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, again, I can, I can kind of see what's happening. If you don't know what to do, you want to examine the problem. But really, the, if there's any key you know, that I've you know, come across with, uh, with firearm safety, you know, it, it's just got to come back to those two absolutes, you know, muzzle management and trigger finger discipline. Obviously, we're going to keep our fingers off the trigger. We're not actually firing, but you've really got to burn it into your into your whole process that once you start carrying a pistol and once that pistol's out of the holster, you have to be constantly aware of where that thing's pointing, no matter what happens. You know, if you, you're out of the holster and somebody calls your name over your shoulder, you can't turn around to, you know, turn your whole body to, to look and see who's behind you. First of all, I mean, that's another thing when, you know, when I'm on the range, if, uh, if somebody drops something on the range, I tell them don't pick it up until I tell them they can just because, you know, for example, if, you know, you've got a, a pistol out of the holster or something and you, you drop something on the ground, if you immediately go pick that up, you know, you might be able to do it, you know, if you're really conscious of where your muzzle's pointing. But, you know, unfortunately, what I see more often than not is, you know, especially if it was, you know, you inadvertently drop, you know, you're messing with your grip and you've dropped that magazine in the pistol. You're kind of embarrassed. You kind of scramble. You bend over real quick to pick that up. And now, you know, all bets are off on where your muzzle's pointing. Really got to always be aware of where that muzzle's pointing. Always think about you know, if I'm, how I'm moving, how is that going to affect where that muzzle's going to go? Uh, and just making sure that, you know, everything you do, you know, fingers off the trigger, but the way that you're, you're moving your body, you're keeping that pistol pointed uh, away from other people and away from yourself. You know, to add to that, uh, you talked about someone calling your name or there's a situation that might require your attention. Maybe not on the range because the range you shouldn't be turning around completely. Just turn your head. What do you need to? Mm-hmm. But in a tactical situation, that's why I'm a big fan of the compressed ready. Um, instead mm-hmm. of having the pistol out in front of you like you see Hollywood doing it or something really stupid like up in the air in front of you that nobody should be doing. But uh, that compressed ready, uh, I've got it pointed in the direction where my you know target would be. But if I need to quickly, just a small flick of the wrist, I'm pointing down at the ground right in front of me. So if I something did require my attention that's right behind me and I look first and then let my body turn, I can see my distance between me and whatever else is around there that I don't want to muzzle. And just by moving my wrist down slightly, now my pistol is pointed down the ground. Maybe I don't want to reholster because I have a tactical advantage of keeping it out of the holster at that compressed ready, but I might just make a small motion and have it pointed down at the ground right in front of me uh, so it still doesn't muzzle anybody. It's still in a safe direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I mean, you can have, you know, if somebody doesn't quite understand what we're talking about, I mean, it's, it's real easy to just kind of do with your, just point your trigger finger out in front of yourself with your arms extended and try and look behind you and see where your arms want to go. 
and then you know you compress elbows to the rib cage, keep that same you know, same finger pointed down range. Even if um, even if there's something in front of you where you want to keep the muzzle pointed straight ahead, it's a lot easier to do so with just a little bit of wrist manipulation. You can still look over, check behind you, and your your muzzle's not flagging all over the place. One more thing that uh, you know, I thought about a few minutes ago when we were talking about holstering and, and unholstering or drawing. I don't know if anybody reads anything I ever write, but uh, I wrote something a while back and I actually put it on George Hill's blog, The Mad Ogre, but then I put it on uh, the Gunfighter Cast blog. If you didn't know, we have a blog now. There you go. Go check it out. Uh, just go to the GunfighterCast.com page and click blog, and it's all there. But I wrote an article for it um, a while back after Tex, I can't remember his whole name, but he's on YouTube shooting himself in the thigh with a 1911. He was using a Serpa holster. You guys already know my feelings on the Serpa holster. I don't, you know, the, the, holster, the holster probably had some contributing factor to the mishap, uh, him shooting himself. But, uh, yeah, I blame him, you know, more than the holster, of course. What I explained in the article, and you can go read it, I'll throw it in the show notes, a link to it, is uh, if you're going to go change holsters or you're changing equipment during your time at the range or you're changing pistols, maybe you're going from uh, a striker fire type pistol like a Glock or an XD to a 1911, you know, another a double single, like Beretta to something else or whatever, dry fire a little bit with that. And if you're doing it out of the holster practice and you change your holster or you change pistols, do some dry practice. Make sure that thing is empty. Use the techniques that we just discussed on clearing that weapon uh, visually and physically. Make sure that thing's empty and practice coming out of the holster with a dry pistol, completely clear, and do that a little bit so your body remembers, okay, this isn't the Glock. Uh, this is this pistol. I have to extend my thumb to put my Beretta on fire. And My first shot will be double action. Second will be single. Uh, 1911, I have to push down with my thumb. Uh, to put it on fire, and it's already single action, ready to go, uh, where that Glock had a little bit heavier trigger. Now this one doesn't have very much of a, a trigger pull at all. Uh, it's very light. Keeping your fingers straight and off of that trigger as you draw out of the holster until your sights are on target and you're ready to bust caps. Uh, practice with your gear if you change it out mid-range. Do it dry. Don't shoot yourself in the leg. And that's what I titled the article was, How to Not Shoot Yourself. That's good advice. I mean, that's one of those considerations if you're going to, you know, change your equipment and so forth, or you're going to try and be good with more than one type of weapon system. I mean, if you can, you know, obviously you're better off uh, sticking with one weapon system. I think, you know, I don't know where the saying comes from, but, you know, it's beware of the man with one gun, you know, figuring that, you know, if he's got one gun, he's learned how to use that gun and knows how to work that gun. I had seen, I hadn't seen your, uh, your blog post, but uh, I wasn't aware that, that's the reason that he they shot himself is that he was running a clock first and then he was working a uh, a more complicated weapon system after that. I can't that. remember the exact weapon he was using before, but he was using a different holster that wasn't a Serpa. Uh, he explained it all in the beginning of the video. I'll track that video down too and throw it in the show notes uh, so you can watch the video of him shooting himself. And it's kind of it, it gets a little bit well. I guess you could use the word funny because he says, "And then my training took over, and I called my parents." And mm-hmm. Have you seen the video? Uh, I've heard, yeah, I've, I've seen it, and I do remember that part of it. And he, he kind of, his rhetoric kind of sounded like the ATF agent who shot himself. He's like, these things happen. They could happen to you. And you know what? Yeah. Even experienced shooters, things like this can happen. It is our responsibility as responsible gun owners to do every single thing that we can, every single time we come in contact with a firearm, to make sure these things don't happen to us. 
whether it's to us personally or we observe something at a range or family gathering when someone's showing a pistol to somebody, we are the authority. We have to make sure that safety is being followed. We don't have this happen, whether it's on a range by yourself training like Tex was or uh, wherever you may be. Yeah, I think there's definitely a, uh, you know, a bell curve, learn curve when it comes to firearm safety. I mean, when you get, you're brand new, you don't know anything, you're not safe. You know, as you train a little bit, you know, provided you get some, you know, some competent instruction, um, you know, you're doing the right things, you tend to get safer and safer and safer. But then I, I think if you're not careful, there's a point where, you know, your, your level of safety peaks out as you get more comfortable. And you get complacent. You, you get complacent, and then you kind of your safety starts dropping off again. You really got to um, always have that uh, issue of complacence, uh, complacency in the back of your mind, making sure that you're not uh, getting comfortable, that it's not becoming routine for you, but that you keep that high level of safety. Yeah, and, I mean the only other. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, the only other thing as far as, uh, you know, text goes is, I mean, good on them, I guess, for posting the video just so that, you know, people can hopefully learn from his mistakes. You know, it would have been easy, I guess, to just go over and, uh, you know, erase it or whatever, but. Yeah, you know, I, I, I got a hand to the guy for that. I don't know if I would have done it in that same situation because basically you lose almost all credibility. But, uh, yeah. you know, even if it's, you know, me basically talking bad about what happened there. On Gunfighter Cast, hopefully someone will learn from his mistake. And I'm sure there's been a lot of people who flame him a lot more than I have out there in uh, forum world and YouTube land. But uh, that that one kind of went viral, and there was a bunch of people really hitting him pretty hard. But, uh, yeah, I doubt he repeats it, you know. And uh, hopefully someone out there, like you said, uh, learns from his mistake. Yeah, hopefully that's what we call a self-correcting mistake. You know, once you once you do that, you don't want to do it again. My final thought is, uh, don't do anything stupid. You know, I've talked about in the past, uh, whatever training you're doing, you got to weigh the risk and the gain in the training. Just, if you got that little voice in your back of your head says, you know what, this may not be the safest thing I should do. This may not be what I should be doing right now. Or maybe I should dry fire first. Listen to that little voice. That little voice has saved many lives. Many people have died because they didn't listen to that little voice. So, Make sure you listen to that little voice and don't do anything stupid. That's my final thought. Uh, I guess my final thought is, and it is again more geared towards people start. Do we have final uh, thoughts now? Shooting is. I don't know. Do we? we? Do. Okay, go ahead. Is that is that our? Oh wow! Look at that. We're becoming an organized podcast here. How'd that happen? <laughs> totally by accident. Too much listening of gun dudes, I think. Yeah. Basically, my final thought would be, uh, you know, somebody that's just starting out, you know, shooting on the range and so forth, um, is especially when it's range practice, uh, nothing has to be done quickly, especially when you're just starting out, you're learning, you know, we're not under attack or fing off zombies or something. If you don't know what to do, just take that second to start up and think first before you do something because that's typically where I see, you know, where the gun comes out of the holster when it shouldn't have because we didn't stop and think about it because, the you know, we end up looking at the side of the gun and pointing it at the person next to us, you know, because we just didn't stop and think about it. Just start out, you know, don't feel that you've got to, uh, you know, you got to be super tactical Navy SEAL right 
you know, in your first hour of range practice. Just, uh, you know, take it slow. Think about what you're doing. And uh, if you don't know what to do, you know, hopefully you're not there by yourself. Ask somebody before you, before you do something you may regret. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, that's pretty much it for our topic segment of the show. Just got a quick announcement. We, like I said a minute ago, we do have a blog. Go there, gunfightercast.com, click blog, and read the stuff that John pours his heart and soul into, even if it is about... And make fun of it. Yeah, make fun of his OCD. You know, really, we both are, are writing stuff on there, and by all means, go check it out and uh, tell your friends about it. And whenever you're not getting enough gunfightercast, you can go there and read whatever we're writing about. Uh, also, if, while you're there, click the contact page. John now has an email. John at gunfightercast.com. So whenever you send me all these cool emails you guys have been sending me, which I've been getting a lot of emails recently, I guess since I started getting a co-host and actually you know doing shows again, uh, everybody started to email again. And thank you guys for that. Me and John have discussed uh, we are going to start doing an email portion of the show. And I've got a lot of emails backed up right now. And uh, I'm sure that we'll get more in the future. And we welcome your feedback, good or bad, questions, comments. Whatever. We really like questions because I really love answering questions. What that does for us, you know, we can pick topics all day long that we're talking about. But once we get emails and people are asking all these things, uh, especially when they're similar, then that's something that we know that you guys want to hear about and hear our opinions on. So by all means, you got questions. Daniel at gunfightercast.com and John at gunfightercast.com. Uh, we also have the ability to send emails to each other like everybody else in the world. So if you don't have time to put both of us in the address bar, send it to one, we'll share it. So uh, that's pretty much the announcement. Unless you got anything, John? No, I think it would be great for, you know, like today's topic. I mean, we're kind of, uh, you know, we've got different perspectives, but, you know, we're also instructors. So it would be interesting to hear about, um, you know, maybe if, uh, you know, you are a new shooter or you've, you know, you're at the range of new shooters, let us know what you guys see. And, uh you know, we can kind of follow up with topics on future shows if we get uh, good stuff. Yeah, you know, and if you're seeing a lot of stuff uh, that's bad, tell us about it. And if it should stop, you know, we'll probably be able to tell you that, yeah, that's not good. And uh, we'll act as the national funnel for all bad things going on at the range and tell you that you shouldn't do that, I guess. So we'll, we'll collect all that information, all that data, and we'll compile it into a podcast and provide that information to you. Excellent. That probably didn't make any sense. That was all good stuff. Uh, I know I hear Gunner in the background. Well, and, we got to uh, say bye and Gunfighter Cast out. Oh, yeah. Uh, this That's what I'm leading into. I'm giving you the lead in here. So. Oh, I thought you were going admin yeah. on me. No, no. I'm, I'm still in it. Okay. I'm in it to win it, as Carry Randy on. Jackson would say. Um, but I can hear Gunner in the background. I'm sure Mrs. Shaw wants Daniel back. And uh I know Mrs. McGregor has given me a to-do list of things to do, so we're going to be signing off. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, doing all the things you do to keep us going. Uh, looking forward to the emails. And uh, just I'll just ask you to be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Daniel? All right. Hey, one last thing. I posted something on Facebook, and while you're at the blog, uh, make sure you read the one where I say thank you. I was really trying to say thank you to you guys and a little something else in there about uh, – an organization that really hooked up a buddy of mine, a wounded Marine. If you can help them guys out, send some money their way, give them a hand. Uh, it's called the Bowman Lodge. Check them out and uh, read that and click around their site a little bit. I kind of point you to it in the article. Uh, other than that, it is now January 29th, 2012 here in Japan. And uh, as with that, I'll say until next time, go podcast out.
can now hear Gun Rights Radio Network while you're on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. On-demand news, talk, and more on your mobile phone. The latest episode is always available for you. No syncing needed and no memory or storage wasted. Available for your iPhone, Android phones, or your BlackBerry. Downloading is easy. Go to Stitcher.com or check out your app store. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Gun Rights Radio Network shows can be found under sources. 